As thrilled as he was by the vast range of phenomena his theory of natural selection could explain, Darwin was by no means satisfied with it. One thing he had a hard time explaining was the excessive beauty so prevalent in nature. Plants and animals brimming over with unnecessary frills and flourish. The sight of a feather in the peacock's tail, he wrote, whenever I gaze at it, makes me sick. How could a part of nature so beautiful make the great scientist feel ill? This huge fan tail is anything but fit. The great feather display of the male peacock is just the most famous example of nature's exuberance. The natural world is far from a functionalist utopia. Instead, we are treated to case after case of wild, untrammeled craziness. Narwhals with a single unicorn-like tooth, flycatchers with tails five times longer than their bodies, ancient moose with antlers so big they could barely move. It was usually only the males of the species that possessed these extreme attributes. Darwin had a hunch that these sorts of qualities must have evolved some other way. That's how he came up with the idea of sexual selection, introduced to the world in his next major book, The Descent of Man. Sexual selection is what happens when females of the species evolve to prefer certain traits of the males, for no good reason whatsoever. In sexual selection, there need to be absolutely no reason for the peacock to have that crazy tail beyond the fact that females have evolved to like that kind of tail. Indeed, the liking of that particular tail, a tail more outlandish than any other avian tail, is something completely arbitrary with no significance except that the females happen to like it. Nowadays, biology tends to treat sexual selection as a subset of natural selection, but that's not the way Darwin saw it. For him, sexual selection was a slap in the face of natural selection, a challenge, a contrasting and conflicting force working its own wily ways against the doctrine of efficiency and adaptation. So the females, in most examples of sexual selection, call all the shots. With this theory, they immediately have a whole lot of power and gain in biological status. This idea was not popular in the Victorian age, and indeed, one view of the history of biology has it that sexual selection was basically ignored for more than a century because it gave women far too much say in the scheme of things. Many in the 19th century found this theory far more controversial than natural selection, since it offered a rather frivolous view of the most beautiful aspects of life on earth, and biology wasn't going to take such features and traits seriously until it could find some good reasons for them. Society may have been too prudish to give sex such power as the guiding force behind all that natural beauty. Should Darwin instead have named this process aesthetic selection? Could we simplify it as survival of the beautiful? Life is far more interesting than it needs to be because the forces that guide it are not merely practical. Evolution cannot be accurately encapsulated in that one phrase, survival of the fittest. If we are going to reduce Darwin's two-part thinking on the matter to a soundbite, then let's go as follows. Evolution consists of two overlapping strands, survival of the fittest and survival of the interesting. Together they produce the vast cornucopia of delights we call life, that tangled bank, those endless forms. No single plan lurks behind this great march of time and exploration. 
We can only search for details in the record of all the beauty that has happened. Shall we then be satisfied by saying all evolved beauty is the result of arbitrary accidents?'